0: It's Monday. It's morning. And it's Macab. We're back. This is the musical. Epi- no. I was- <laughs>
1: oh, God, I would shut it. I would be you already probably shut it off.
0: We don't have enough talent for a musical episode.
1: No, we do not. Welcome to Monday morning macabre. Episode 31. The end of scones.
0: The end of Scones. This is where I jump the shark officially.
1: Yeah, this is the character arc where we think he dies at the end. and the, It doesn't matter. This is episode 31. <laughs> I fake
0: my own death. It's a whole thing.
1: <laughs> Monday morning macabre. Scones isn't going anywhere because him and I are both locked in this basement, as you know. This is the podcast where we talk about spooky stuff every week, and uh, one of us tells the other one some scary stuff they don't know about. Tell me all the scaries. This week, it's my turn. I'm uh I'm gonna be the Spookosaurus Rex, which is I'm gonna deliver us from evil. Are we gonna?
0: <laughs> you're the you're King Kong. If this is a meme, you're the King Kong, and I'm the woman you're holding, and you're just yelling scary yep. stories at me.
1: <laughs> yep, and my neighbors are the fucking planes flying around trying to get me to shut up. Exactly. Those are the slinging is yeah. execs. <laughs> <laughs> These are great metaphors, baby. That's
0: why great. people keep coming back. Great audio memes.
1: Yeah, let's just describe visual things, <laughs> visual memes in our audio podcast. Okay, so he's like a frog, right? All right, bro. So it's a scientist. He turns into a pickle. <laughs> Funny as shit. <laughs> so st- okay, anyway, we're getting off topic. Today, we have a a little something that was actually... The the origin of today's episode is from a young listener. I don't know why I said young. Yeah, <laughs> from a listener. What? I don't know, from a supple young listener.
0: (laughs) So scary.
1: (laughs) Today's story slash episode theme is uh, coming to us from a certain Trevor, who actually was the same individual who sent us the girly chew stuff. Trevor. Trevor. Shout out to you. Thank you again for sending in stuff. And if you guys uh, have things you want us to look into and hear about, uh, be like Trevor.
0: Long time listener, long time submitter.
1: Yeah. Um, the relative. And what? he uh, he sent me an article about a certain story which actually got me thinking about like just the whole thing as a theme of the episode. So I actually found a couple more examples of similar things. Uh, hit me with I know those I'm being vague right now. So the semi-things that we're talking about today, Scones, are Urban Legends and the Pretty creepy true stories behind them. It's I have a set of three, three urban legends, oh, and three. the real the magic things number. behind the magic the magic podcast number. Three Hit me
0: with a trilogy right now.
1: Yeah, we got a we got a spooky trilogy. A sp- tr- 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 trilogy.
0: I would have gone spooky, but I like. Where I you're was
1: at. no, I like yours a lot better. I'm just so <laughs> dumb and stupid and fucking can't do anything. <laughs> Um, okay,
0: the, the Sling and Dingers execs just lowered your platform one chain lower into the lava. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. They're uh, slowly closer to the alligators that are in lava <laughs> the, that are like, lava surviving alligators. somehow. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, Shark Lava Alligator Fire, uh, which is also my new Shoegaze album. Yeah. <laughs> The first story we're going to talk about, because we're getting off topic, is the Fairfax Bunny Man. That Ooh, already ah. sounds like
0: the scariest thing ever. I
1: know. It's like so, Donnie Darko. Yeah, right? It's <laughs> pretty... No, it's way worse. Um, <laughs> so, oh, this is the tale of Fairfax County's Bunny Man. This is from a Washingtonian.com article. Dude, thoughts that and I prayers found. to Fairfax. Yeah. So... For four decades, the legend of the bunny man has captivated Northern Virginia fear seekers. It kind of came about in the 70s, the urban legend, and it's been told and retold by local teens for years. While the legend has evolved and changed throughout the years, it follows these lines. In the early 20th century, deep in the woods that divided the town of Clifton from Fairfax Station, there was an asylum for the insane. For the insane? For the insane, it was just an asylum for regular jazz enthusiasts, <laughs> baby.
0: We're smoking their reefer in the asylum Smoking
1: reefer and calling each other cats. At some point, the asylum closed and the residents were piled into a bus bound for Lorton Prison. Oh, geez. On the, now this is like yeah. trick-or-treat. Yeah, it is. Actually, it's very similar. On the way there, the bus swerved and crashed, many of the convicts escaped, and all of them were caught save one. Douglas Griffin
0: Dougly, old Dougie Griffs
1: yeah Dougie G dude Dougie G escapes and while the authorities search for him they find trails of half eaten gutted bunnies with many hanging from what was oh. then called Fairfax Station Bridge
0: Dougie eating half gutty bunnies dude Deej eating half geeged beeges dude <laughs> awesome. okay so he was eating all the half gutty bunnies
1: yeah, so he was gutting these buns and then eating them entrails. So, for months, the police searched for Griffin, but he was never found. Then, on Halloween night, several teens were hanging out under the bridge.
0: Ah, oh, classic. I bet, like, it was the cheerleader and a football player making <laughs> out when they when Yeah, it was, happens.
1: while the nerd was like,
0: I don't know, guys.
1: <laughs> At the stroke of midnight, they were attacked. The next morning, Attacked? the bodies of those teens were found hanging from the bridge, gutted like bunnies.
0: Holy shit, all of them?
1: Yep. To this day, it's said that if you are at Bunny Man Bridge at midnight on Halloween night, you too will meet the fate of those teens.
0: Bunch of teeny weenies getting gutted like
1: half-gutted gunny bunnies?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So, that's the urban legend.
0: Wait, that's so dark and... <laughs> Immediate for yeah. an urban legend I feel like usually they start like the 1800s They're just like yeah no two years ago Every teenager in the high yeah.
1: school was 1970s you got fucking gutted by a p- convict And they're like don't these usually <laughs> have some kind of like Story or like meaning Or like, something yeah, to like a
0: parable Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly there? like nah It's like
1: don't yeah, be here's a the parable. Don't fucking hang out in Halloween
0: Wait it was on wait you said it was on Halloween right
1: Oh yeah that's oh, that's well that's the- Yeah so that's when they got gutted the teens got gutted Oh so that's the Irby Leggy. Irby Leggy and the
0: teeny weenies getting gutty buddied? <laughs> yep.
1: So on October 18th, 1970, the Washington Post reported that Air Force Academy cadet Robert Bennett and his fiance were sitting in a car on the 5400 block of Guinea Road in Fairfax around midnight near Bennett's uncle's house when, quote, a man dressed in a white suit with long bunny ears appeared. Ew. He yelled at the couple that they were on private par- property and that he had their tag number. He then threw a wood-handled hatchet through the front car window. What? That's real. That's a real thing that happened. That's
0: horrible. That's so scary.
1: Yeah. So neither of them were hurt, but they, they pieced the fuck out. Were they which- on his property? Um, I, well, it sounds like this dude was just a recluse, so it's it hard to It sounds like
0: tell. he's just insane, and, like, they were probably I mean, he's walking, like, a park, and he's, like... <laughs> it's not even, like, property. we
1: have to, like, determine whether or not he is. He's running around in a bunny suit hey with man, a hatchet. This is, like, a,
0: like, this is America. Whatever you do on your property is your own business, all right?
1: <laughs> like, he went to iParty, and was like, yeah, I'll take this psychotic, like, bunny guy outfit, <laughs> and proceeded to do just that.
0: He's just putting it on. He's like, fuck, I gotta go chop some wood! <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, two weeks later, the bunny man shows up again, mm. about a block away from his original sighting. Is he informing more teens of property rights? He is not, uh, unfortunately. Uh, October 31st, ooh, ooh, oh wait, Washington Post. Halloween, Halloween, my dear boy. Sam Haim. Private security guard Paul Phillips spotted the man beast on the front porch of a new but unoccupied house. He was holding an axe. In the piece, Phillips recounted what happened next. I started talking to him, and that's when he started chopping. (laughs) (laughs) Taking several swings at a pole on the porch, he threatened Phillips. All you people who trespass here, if you don't get out, I'm going to bust you on the head. So...
0: (laughs) I like that this guy walked up and was like, excuse me there. And he's like, now I'm going to start chopping. (laughs) I started going to town on like a piece of wood, and the guy's like, oh, Wow.
1: (laughs) He's like, okay, that, uh, yeah. He's like, you don't here. I'm going to, it's, <laughs> that's
0: it. You said one word to me. I'm going <laughs> to start chopping. It sounds, he, he almost sounds like the, the Westfield letters guy where he's like obsessed with this piece of property.
1: Yeah, basically. So essentially, that's the last sighting of the bunny man, but that is the origin of the Fairfax bunny man. And then the urban legend kind of sprouts out of that, which is insane because it's like the urban legend itself is like okay, that's a creepy story, but then like the fact that it literally was a dude in a bunny outfit, yeah, is,
0: who's just like very real and scary.
1: It's just so bizarre. It's like how unstable of a person do you have to be, right? So that's that's the Fairfax Bunny Man. I'm starting with a we're starting with a with a crazy crazy kooky one who
0: likes chopping
1: and yelling at teens. So. Next up, this is what actually Trevor sent in, which is The Babysitter and the Man Upstairs. I hate this already. I think we've all kind of have heard some variation of this uh, urban legend.
0: Is this like a like a, the calls coming from inside the house yep. type of thing?
1: Exactly. Yes. So, what movie is
0: that from, actually?
1: Uh, when a Stranger Calls. I mean, there's also is that from uh, I, I it was from.
0: I know what you did last summer
1: no okay so it is scream i think scream is the one where because that's when yeah
0: listeners if you know where where the call is coming from inside the house is from. <laughs> yeah,
1: if you know why the call is coming from inside <laughs> the house uh let us know so this one is uh, the classic urban legend of it's like dates dates way back to the 1960 actually well okay i shouldn't say dates way back dates back to the 1960s because phones needed to be a thing right although obviously phones have been around but you know what i mean um so <laughs> alexander graham bell <laughs> he's like that's the first phone call <laughs> Was he's this like, urban hoi, hoi. Legend.
0: and it's just like i'm coming like the house. <laughs> he's like i'm in the house he's like, he's like what have i
1: invented <laughs> so the babysitter in the kill upstairs also known as the babysitter or the sitter is an urban legend that dates back to the 1960s about a teenage girl babysitting children who receives a telephone call from a man who continually asks her to quote check the children The basic storyline has been adapted a number of times movies like the sitter when a stranger calls when a stranger calls back uh, when a stranger but dials there the whole trilogy's in there it's been covered on TV and etc but the legend basically is a teenage girl is babysitting at night the children have been put to bed upstairs and the babysitter is downstairs watching TV the phone rings a man tells her to check on the children the teenager dismisses the call and goes back to watching TV.
0: <laughs> that was weird. Hang up.
1: <laughs> it's like, that was specific and <laughs> kooky. The stranger calls back several times.
0: <laughs> I love the stranger to be like, no, seriously.
1: <laughs> He's like, son of a bitch. He's like, uh, okay, no, really. Uh, eventually, the girl becomes worried and calls the police, who tell her that they will trace the next call. After he calls again, the police call back, telling her that the call is coming from inside the oh, house. Oh, my God. So it's bum, real? Bum. You just, bum, bum. you just goosed me. you. I goosed you, you brother. Goosed, I've
0: been goosed. I don't know if that's a word people use, but nowadays, I've been goosed.
1: I, we made it. Bro, I just goosed you so hard, bro. The police then explained that the calls were coming from inside the house and that the man was calling her after killing the children. Bum, bum, bum. Now, here's the horrific backstory that's the real story of what this is based off of and where this urban legend sprouted. And it is macabre, so... Put on your macabre hats, everybody. We're no going no more goosin'. No, we're not goosing anymore. This
0: is forever going to be known as the episode Scones Gets goosed. <laughs> this
1: is this is the origin of the goose. So, the crime on which this urban legend is based—I should say—this is a uh, AminoApps.com. I don't, I don't know why they have horrific. Did you say
0: Amino Apps.
1: I don't. It doesn't matter. Anyway, the crime on which this urban legend was based on happened in 1950.
0: Ooh, that's a long time ago.
1: On the evening of March 18th, 1950, 13-year-old Jeanette Christman was babysitting 3-year-old Gregory Romack at his home on West Boulevard and Stewart Road in Columbia, Missouri.
0: I cannot picture a 3-year-old named Gregory Bromack. That guy sounds like he has to be at least 60.
1: Greg Romack. Either but way. Yeah, it is It is a very adult. It's weird to be like, hey, Greg, <laughs> here's your binky. <laughs> like, it just doesn't add up <laughs> mentally. Sometime after Chrisman put the toddler to bed and before his parents returned at 1.30 a.m., an intruder shattered a window and attacked her in the Romax living room. Although a garden hose was left outside that was used to break the window, police said the furniture and light fixtures near the window were totally undisturbed, making it impossible for him to have entered that way. This indicated to investigators that the intruder attempted to make it look like the house had been broken into, when in reality, Chrisman probably opened the front door for someone she knew. So... Details of the attack. In the attack, she was hit on the head with a blunt weapon, and then she was raped and strangled with an iron cord. Ooh. Uh, se- yeah, rough. Several small puncture wounds on her head were consistent with that of a mechanical pencil. Now, I'm going to go to another article now. that go- there. I read another article that goes a lot more in-depth that Trevor also uh, put, because he put sources, because he's a goddamn hero. Wow. Yeah. So... That is the basis of the attack. That's um, so much more
0: grisly than the Urban Legend.
1: Yeah, it is. So, Which is funny, I feel
0: like it usually goes the other way where things get exaggerated for the Urban Legend.
1: Yeah, right? This is this one's way darker. It's like it was too dark and they're like, okay, we gotta use the this one." tone
0: down. <laughs> yeah. Can't tell <laughs> like, that like, dude, one around what the, the fire. Fuck?
1: <laughs> yeah. So basically, the Romacks come home, they find Chrisman's body, they call the police. Police come with like, you know, squads of police come, they do their investigation. And this is now from TrueCrimeArticles.com. As the police continue on with their investigation into Janet Christman's murder, one prime suspect named Robert Mueller materialized and the circumstantial evidence against him began piling up heavily. Mueller was a 27 year old and friends with Ed Romack, who was the father of Greg, right? He's the, he's the dad of that. She was babysitting for, right? So this guy Mueller was friends with Ed since high school after graduation, Mueller served in World War II as an Army Air Corps captain and had a distinguishable record. He later returned to Columbia, Missouri, overlooking his father's restaurant, Mueller's Virginia Cafe, and working as a tailor. Many people remember him for dressing well and always carrying around a mechanical pencil in his front shirt or jacket pocket. So that is an important thing to remember. When Mueller and Ed Romacri reacquainted, they shared mutual friends and would frequently spend time together. According to Ed, he had a okay. This is where it gets like so creepy and obvious that this dude is like prime suspect number one
0: because he carries around pencils in his front pocket like a nerd.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, he's a freaking nerd. So throw him in jail already, bro. But also, according to Ed, Mueller had a lustful eye for virgin women and spoke about having a desire to defile someone young. Like
0: that. When does that? Why you come up?
1: I, that's what I'm saying. Like, why would you ever, if if Ted's you have like, that, hey, like, man,
0: that's a really fucking weird thing to bring up here at the bar. Yeah, it's
1: like, it's like, hey, it's Thanksgiving. Tone it the fuck down. <laughs> uh, it it's so Listen, weird, dude.
0: We got like eight more holes to go in this round of golf. <laughs> why did you have to say something like that?
1: Yeah, we still have the back nine, and I want to blow my brains out <laughs> right now. Moreover, he knew Janet since she babysat for him on numerous occasions, and Ed recalled him making lecherous comments about her well-developed hips and breasts. It's so cre- I don't even want to read Ew. it because so he's creepy. He's like
0: a weird, scary scientist.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's a fucking... He's a goddamn monster. Uh, additionally, Mueller's lewd behavior stemmed over to Ed's wife, Anne, who felt uncomfortable around him because of his un- uninvited sexual advancements.
0: I think you're in the right there, Anne.
1: Yeah. Much to her dismay, one day before Janet's murder, Mueller had been visiting the home helping Anne hemp a dress and reportedly tried groping her breasts. So Uh, this dude is a super creeper who I don't understand why they have them in their lives still. Like,
0: is that just because it's like the 50s? And for some reason, sexual predators, like, yeah, right. It's just like, like, like,
1: I have no idea.
0: People fantasize the 50s, but it sounds like a horrible time to be alive.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Everyone's like, oh, you just go down to the, like, the Shake Shack and get yourself a milkshake and everyone fucking kisses in the street. And it's like, yeah, nah, I mean, people no, that's are...
0: that's only if you're white and male. <laughs> and then probably, like, not even that Have Like, ugh. <laughs> fuck the 50s. I'm an anti-50s podcast. Or, I'm you not going to speak for you.
1: <laughs> We're going to... Now, let's make a fuck the 50s cast. <laughs> so, back to the uh, attack... Several small puncture wounds on her head were consistent with that of a mechanical pencil. So, I mean, I mean, this. I think it's fairly obvious it who is perpetrating this 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 murder, right? I mean, well, it,
0: seems it's either him or it's laid out to look like him. But he should be in jail anyway, even if it wasn't him. Yeah, right,
1: regardless. <laughs> so, prime suspect, twenty-seven-year-old Robert Mueller. Mueller what? was never charged. Robert Mueller. M u e l l e r, isn't that the same?
0: Isn't that spelling? like the Mueller?
1: <laughs> yeah, the Mueller report. report.
0: <laughs> is this? Are you about to tie this around to something? No, where, no that like, would be insane.
1: Yeah, that would be nuts. If sixty years ago Robert Mueller, <laughs> <laughs> he was never charged, passed a lie detector test, and eventually sued the sheriffs and others for holding him illegally, and the crime remains unsolved. Oh, hey. is just the worst.
0: Listeners, we're here again as Monday Morning Macabre to cripple your confidence in law enforcement and the American yep. justice system.
1: It's just the worst thing. But that is that's the babysitter phone call origin is from this murder of a babysitter in the sixties, and it's real dark. It's real dark. Um yeah, pitch black. So shout out to you, Trevor. <laughs> Thank Thanks, <you>. Trev. <laughs>
0: Trevor gets dark.
1: Yeah, I wanted to end on one that, like, is also sad, but, <laughs> but I think it's a very well-written article. <laughs> but it's filled with
0: robot grandmas.
1: And it's not nearly, it's not, like, super just dark. It's just, it's just macabre.
0: It's not, like, Unit 731.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'll be able to, like, go to work or whatever you have to do today, but <laughs> it's definitely still not, a uh, not the most fun. So, The last urban legend slash true thing we're going to talk about is the glowing green man or Charlie No-Face.
0: Oh, wait. I've heard of, I don't don't know anything about it, but I've heard of Charlie No-Face. I've heard the name. Yes. Charlie (laughs) No-Face. I met him at a ballpark. No, (laughs) I've heard of it though.
1: So this is a Thrillist.com article written by Will Fulton and I like it a lot. So here we go. The man may have nearly burned alive. His face melted like candle wax. He might have been struck by lightning as a boy. His skin could have been turned a radioactive green from a horrible accident at the Duquesne power plant. Some even said he was a specter doomed to stalk desolate western Pennsylvania highways for all eternity. The details changed depending on who was telling it, but everyone growing up in the Pittsburgh area heard a story about Charlie No-Face eventually, the green man, the monster of Beaver County. 300 miles away in New Jersey, I learned about the legend from my dad, who'd grown up in Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania, not far from the tunnel Charlie No-Face supposedly haunted. I assumed it was just another dad yarn, not unlike his tales of being a top-secret Green Beret and winning Olympic gold medals <laughs> and weightlifting.
0: Your dad's just stealing valor from American <laughs> heroes?
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but then I got a computer and promptly found some pictures. Dad, I'm sorry I doubted you. My dad even claimed to have met Charlie No-Face when he was 13, and today he still says it was the most terrifying moment of his life. Picture the subject of one of the most notorious urban legends of your generation sitting beside you in the backseat of a station wagon, casually sipping a domestic light beer through a bendy straw.
0: So for us, that's like Slenderman, I guess? I yeah, it's know. like if
1: Slenderman was just smoking a joint with you in the woods.
0: And he's like, dude, this
1: is weird, right? <laughs> Bro, this is trippy. I'm goosing right now. Um, uh, <laughs> Uh, but he was more than just an urban legend. He was a man, and his name was Ray. The story is true. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I thought his name was Charlie No Face. Why is his name no.
1: Ray? Oh yeah, well that's a whole different thing. Oh, it doesn't. Okay. It's never explained. I'm gonna be honest. I met Charlie
0: me? No Face. His name was Ray. <laughs> his name was Raymond. <laughs>
1: So, the story is true. In early August 1919, eight-year-old Ray Robinson was walking with his sister and a few friends in Newcastle, Pennsylvania, when they noticed a bird's nest perched atop a tree next to an abandoned trolley trestle. Wanting to get a closer look, Ray climbed up, but he accidentally touched a wire that had once powered the trolley. Almost a year earlier, another boy who touched the same wire died after two painful weeks, yet the power line was still active when Ray reached for it. He was severely electrocuted. His nose, yeah. lips, ears, and eyes were all gone or misshapen. Ooh. His arms were maimed, and one of his hands was blown clean off. His suffering was unimaginable.
0: Yeah, he sounds like a scary version of Sloth from the Goonies now.
1: Yeah, essentially. That's truly... It's just, It sucks. This eight-year-old just touched the wrong... He, he, he goofed real bad. <laughs> real bad. So somehow he survives, but Ray did not have a much of a life after that at least for a while if you look at old victorian homes so many of them have isolated rooms with drains and plumbing and everything you need to live right there said tisha york a documentarian who spent three years researching robinson for an unreleased film about the green man back then this is where families kept children like ray things were different and they kept people who were different hidden away from the world
0: ew like i said fuck the 50s or whatever this is <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. If you're not in the 2000s, get the fuck out of here. Ray wasn't exactly mistreated, but he did get isolated and ostracized, even by his own family, who would eat separately from him. He tried to make the best of it. An avid baseball fan, he listened to every game he could pick up on his radio. He learned to read Braille and how to make wallets and doormats out of old tires. Which, I don't even... I don't know how the hell you do that, especially when you have no, like, senses...
0: Who's buying old, tired doormats? <laughs> oh, wait. I get—I actually can kind of picture that, like the black doormats that go under your welcome ones. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, that makes more sense now that I think about it.
1: When he became a man, his family fashioned a small apartment for him out of the garage. He managed to dodge notoriety until he began craving a respite from the prison his life had become. He started walking the local highways, always alone, always at night, and this is where the man becomes the legend. It isn't exactly known for its nightlife, Elwood, Pennsylvania. But when Maya Ranchard was in high school in the mid-2000s, she spent more than a few boring Saturday evenings in her boyfriend's emerald minivan looking for Charlie No-Face along Route 351 and in front of Peeney Fork Tunnel, known locally as the Green Man Tunnel. That's not too different than teens like me back in New Jersey half-heartedly shining their flashlights in the Pine Barrens to flush out the Jersey Devil. You expect some cheap thrills in the back of folklore and not much else. Everyone grew up hearing about the green man, Rancid had told me, but it's still one of those things where you don't really think you're going to see anything. It's a ghost story, something your parents talk about around a fire pit, but we still did it and it was still scary, even though we knew it wasn't real. People have been looking for the green man for almost 100 years. If you had guts, you went out and tried to find him. On the night in the late 1960s that my dad met Ray inside the station wagon, he'd been night swimming at a local pool with some friends who were curious about the legend they'd heard so much about over the years. Though my father was unsure who or what Ray was, he had certainly heard the stories. Everyone had. Ray developed a reputation for walking around Route 351 and neighboring roads in Beaver County at night, said York, who also grew up in Elwood City. Obviously, the way he looked garnered some attention. Rumors spread, people started to actually seek him out, and for many, he embraced that. He loved to smoke, he loved to drink beer, and these late-night encounters became one of the main connections to the outside world.
0: That's so sad
1: yeah right it's like
0: like he leaned into it because it was kind of the only social interaction he had
1: it's first of all good on it like what a bro to be in such a shit position but like be like listen i don't want to scare people because i know how terrifying it is that like how i look so i'm gonna just like go out <laughs> really slam walks.
0: some beers and rip some cigs and yeah. just go out
1: and just take just like late night walks. It's so sad because he's such a, seems like such a nice guy. Yeah. Like
0: he didn't end up a psychopath despite being raised in an environment that right. I probably would have ended up a psychopath.
1: <laughs> exactly. Now, not everyone who tracked down Ray on these backcountry roads was content to share a beer with him, take a picture and move on as anyone who has gone through life being different knows. And as Ray certainly knew the world can be a cruel place people would beat him up they would pee into oh, beer geez. bottles give it to him so he never drank an open drink some people would pick him up drive him to the middle of nowhere and toss him out of the car people were just so cruel to him and he never understood why york said
0: what's the point of picking someone else I to drive them and then throw them out
1: it's so it's just, just like, people we being moved you geographically. yes now My dad and his friends gunned it for Wallace Run Road, packing green man bait, a case of beer, a straw, some cigarettes, and they eventually found Ray. They pulled the station wagon up next to him as as he walked. The driver, who said he'd met Ray once, hopped out as my dad and the others in the car watched through the fog. When Ray climbed into the car, my dad screamed. Can you blame him? Ray's blank face glowing off the dashboard light was like nothing he had ever seen before. The green man in the flesh, just a pencil's length away. According to York, the Green Man moniker came not from the rumors about him working at the power plant, but from something a little more gruesome. His nose was basically an open wound his entire life, she said. It would get infected quite often, and that would make it turn green. Oh. Yeah. Rough. Over
0: doctor, I guess maybe he couldn't afford to have any kind of plastic surgery. Yeah, also surgery. it sounds like his
1: family was like not trying to help. Yeah.
0: Because <laughs> like, I think now you'd get a skin graft. Yeah, like definitely. You oh, definitely, definitely. But that was
1: 1919. Like, that was a long time ago. He's an old man at this point.
0: Wait, what What year?
1: 1919 is when the accident happened.
0: Oh, so he's a geezer.
1: Yeah, he's an old dude who's just like, I'm drinking beer and smoking and I don't give a hoot. Okay. So, after the palpita- palpitation ceased, my dad realized he had nothing to fear. It was like meeting the boogeyman and discovering he's just a misunderstood guy who likes beer, shooting the shit, and the Pittsburgh Pirates. <laughs> People need to understand this was a human being, a real person, and someone who endured one of the most tragic lives I've ever encountered, said York. Underneath it all was this beautiful, kind man. Recently, I pulled up photos of Ray online and showed them to my dad. He didn't say anything for a while, he just looked and remembered. The only thing he could say is that he was sorry he was ever scared of the man in the first place.
0: What a wholesome, redeeming tale for this man's father.
1: Right. And like, it's, it's, it's a very sweet that like his dad and his friends were like, let's just buy some beers and like cigarettes and like find him and just chill.
0: Yeah. Like get to know him. Yeah, exactly.
1: I interviewed hundreds of people about Ray all over Western Pennsylvania, said York. They were mostly young men like your father who would go out with Ray or pick him up and drive him around. And I wouldn't be able to count how many of these grown men broke down in tears talking about him. So many people just cried remembering what Ray meant to them and what he did for them or just reflecting on his life and how sad and bittersweet it actually was. There's a photo of him posing with a woman, maybe the only woman other than members of his family he ever touched. You could tell he was happy and she wasn't scared. There's a young man who lost his brother in Vietnam who credits Ray's companionship and unending empathy as a major force of positivity during his grieving period. He taught countless people who would spend long nights sitting in a car or on a porch with him about the virtue of looking past the superficial, of swallowing fear and abandoning preconceptions. He showed so many people that it was okay to be different, he actually changed lives.
0: Oh, Ray... This took yeah, a very I know, non-macabre
1: right? turn, Ray. I, yeah, so it's that's why I was like, I'm going to end on this so it'll be like, you know, you can... you can One of the few episodes go,
0: we didn't leave people being like, well, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to
1: stare into my wall for a week and a <laughs> half. Uh, and through it all, Ray was never angry. He was never upset. He never asked, why me? He kept being positive, being genuine, and being a kind person and friend we all wish we could be. Everyone will remember the legends, but he meant so much more to so many people, and it really made him happy.
0: Hashtag be like Ray.
1: Yeah. Hashtag be like Ray. <laughs> so he died in 1981 in a nursing home. He's buried in Beaver County, just a few feet away from the little boy who was electrocuted one year before him. Occasionally you will see fresh flowers placed on his grave. He was a gleaming example of someone being given the worst and making the best of it. Charlie no face, the glowing green man, the monster of Beaver County. He was more than just an urban legend. He was a man and his name was Ray. And that is the story of Charlie No Face. Darce,
0: that was a wonderful story.
1: Right. I read that, I was like, I got like this is such a good little tale. It's uplifting at the end. It's spooky it. with urban legends.
0: You've gone soft since you became a dad.
1: <laughs> Maybe it is my dad proclivities.
0: <laughs> You're ready? You're like, oh, that's nice. I'm oh, that's so nice. It's
1: Hazel no face. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, keep her away from fucking wires. Jesus Christ. Why is it the small tower? Little kids are just getting electrocuted.
1: Yeah, gonna keep her away from that, from bunny men, and she's never babysitting at anyone ever.
0: <laughs> the stuff you learned from Monday Morning Macabre. Monday Morning Macabre. <laughs> I remember as a kid, my, uh, my parents were very paranoid when I was a kid about like the third rail of the subway system oh Do you know yeah what I mean? Like, like where you touch the it you, you pretty much yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. die instantly like anytime i went into the city that was uh i got i got told that like two or three times to watch out for that and i was like why would i ever be down there
1: <laughs> hey uh just so you know why would I ever i'm sick on the platform like- <laughs> So yeah, that's, those are some urban legends, and the stories behind them. And sometimes they're not all that bad. Not all that bad. You know?
0: Give them a chance, except the ones that we talked about that were violent. I don't know. What's the moral here? Because you're either... I think the
1: moral is <laughs> if you see a man with a weapon,
0: <laughs> we're like oh, come on, like, d- don't believe all the stories and stuff about the guy with Ray, but then also... If yeah, that's you, true, that
1: is like, but the man with a hatchet and a bunny suit, leave him alone.
0: Yeah, or the guy who, with all the stories, still got away with what he did.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a real uh, real mixed bag. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah, we're... uh that's... flip of the coin situation. <laughs> oh, man, I am ready to... Like, I call it a wrap. That's it for Monday morning a cop okay.
0: <laughs> 31.
1: Episode 31 has an uplifting ending,
0: and uh, our first one ever, maybe.
1: Yeah, I think it is. I can't wait for people to like write in and be like, That was bullshit. I don't want any <laughs> happiness.
0: I was not unsettled, I was not chilled, <laughs> I did not lose faith in any organization.
1: <laughs> uh, well, you should have probably, but. That's that's a wrap, folks. That's this I week's episode of Monday Morning Macabre. Shout out to Trevor again. Yeah. Thanks, shout out to Trev. Shout out to Ray. Shout out to Trevor. Shout out to the Monday Morning Macabre fam, fam bros. Do we have Trevor's socials, or are we not prepared enough for that? Um. Well, he just get he emailed me, so oh, I just said oh, his okay. first name. I don't. He gave me. I mean, full names there, but I'm not gonna. I know who, yeah, I know who, probably. I think, uh, I believe it's Trevor Silver Lining on Instagram. I think that's, that's Trevor what? It's Trevor Silver Lining on Instagram. So shout out to you, Trevor. And, uh, we'll, uh, we'll make sure, make sure to tell your friends and, and such <laughs> and, and things. Yeah. Tell your friends and such. Tell your friends and such. Follow us. M.M. Macabre pod, uh, Instagram, Monday morning, Macab. Check out Monday morning, Macabre.com. Uh, shout out to all the new listeners! I see we got new people following and hey, uh, welcome! Hey, welcome everybody! You're Dude, probably this like, is what first is episode? this about? Uh, and it's you know every ep- we have to assume every episode is someone's first episode, and they're probably like, this was what is happening? <laughs> some people
0: are probably so lost. Like some of these episodes, they're probably like droopy dog.
1: Yeah, they're like what the fuck is a droopy dog? Why do they keep talking about it?
0: Yeah. Also, anyone under the age of like forty, also probably shouldn't know who Droopy Dog is. That's,
1: that's true. I don't know. What, yeah, if you are not a Hanna Barbera addict, <laughs> like we us. are in our, <laughs> can't get <like> enough. Us.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, we just binge watch. John, oh, Johnny love me Quest. some. F- <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Jetsons are my life, yeah. baby.
0: If I am not watching uh, a <laughs> Yogi Bear, I am not watching. <laughs> I am not watching nothing.
1: So Ooh. yeah. Thanks, uh thanks for listening.
0: Thanks, guys. Thanks, have guys. a wonderful Bye. week and a wonderful Monday and stay, stay safe. Stay
1: safe. Uh okay. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye.